I've titled this message, The Setup. So I feel a little bit like John the Baptist because uh, that was his job when it came to preparing for Jesus, the Messiah, to come on the scene. He was preaching the good news and baptizing and leading the way to directing people towards Christ. So I am, uh, I might be the hype man, I'm the setup, you know, all of that for everybody else who's going to be preaching after me. Because what I'm going to be doing is talking about the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm not touching anything in between. I'm just getting you ready for with some foundational things so that we're all on the same page as the word continues for the weeks to come. Everybody following that? All right, excellent. So our passage today is, we've got two out of Matthew, so it's going to be the beginning and the end. But part of the setup that I need you to think about is this. So this next slide, how many of you have ever had a stress test before? Anybody had one? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you've never had one, and you're like, stress test, what is that? Other than a test that I don't feel very prepared to take. Um, (laughs) So a stress test is where they get you all hooked up with a bunch of electrodes, they get you on a treadmill, and then they're checking to see the condition of your heart. Are there any issues like potential blockages? Is, there getting, is your pulse rate doing what it's supposed to? Are any rhythms irregular? Uh, all of those types of good things, all right? So um, this is what I feel the Sermon on the Mount, those three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, uh, those are our stress test. For us to see through the Holy Spirit, are there any places where we've got heart blockage? Okay. So, you know, we love the Beatitudes. Blessed are this person, blessed are that. Ta-da-da-da, that's great. And there might be a few other things in the Sermon on the Mount that we're like, oh, yeah, I love that. But then there are others that we're like, la, 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 la. I don't even, ah, uh, what? I didn't hear that. I don't, uh, this doesn't apply to me, I don't think. Or we measure how much of it really applies to us. Well, my stuff's not really that bad. Or, you know, I'm, I'm basically, I'm basically doing that. I, okay, listen. God God was never in favor of like I'm basically I mean like imagine if imagine if during creation he was like well I basically made it so your body works I mean come on okay so this is how the sermon I'm out this is this is our setup so we're going to have the opportunity to examine our hearts against the words of Jesus to see if we've maybe been taking things a little too lightly. Because remember, we as Christ followers are running a race. Running. Uh, You know, I mean, some of us like to, I'm going to fast walk it. And we think, I'm doing good. No, running. And we might need, maybe maybe we're not even, maybe we're this. Ooh-wee. That's a lot. But, you know, I'm moving. Hey, you know. Okay. But we're supposed to be running the race. Running the race. So maybe we've been taking things a little too lightly. Maybe we have stopped totally. 
maybe we are having some challenges in some areas spiritually because there's heart blockage, which the longer the blockage goes on, that can do heart damage, like heart attack in your physical body. That's what happens, heart attack, and it can be fatal. So we got to think about, am I going to ignore what's happening? All right. So we're going to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. And it says, One day he saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. So, that is how the Sermon on the Mount begins. And what I want to do from there is give us some foundation and context that doesn't necessarily come through with our Western culture, uh, because we live very differently than they would have back then. It's just a different way, and so just for us to fully understand what was happening, and why things were said the way that they were. So first of all, it would not have been unusual for someone who was teaching to sit down. So they would stand to read the word, whether it was uh, one of the prophets or what have you, and then they would sit down and teach the people. So to us, our culture is the teacher stands, the students sit. So it was, they would not have been surprised at all about Jesus sitting down. And I was looking up to see, like, okay, he's up on a mountainside. People are gathering around. It's a big crowd. Like, how are people able to hear him? Because it's not like he didn't put a mic on. He didn't have a bullhorn. Um, and so when I was looking it up, they said, if you go to the place where Jesus was on the mountain, you can speak to 5,000 people using your normal voice, and they will all hear you. And I was like, oh, which also made me think about the times when he would get in the boat and they would push it out a little bit when he would be on the water and people would be on the shore and he would talk. And it's because he, he knows science. And so he knows that being on the water, that helps carry the sound towards the people. So, I'm, you know, of course, he knows what he's doing, right? All right. So... Um, the reason, too, that there were so many people gathering. So we can look at churches, and now this is not to um, disparage any churches, okay? So hear me when I say this. This is not that. But sometimes there are churches that are very large because of the entertainment. So the people were gathering because they saw the miracles he was doing, the healing that was happening. Um, even the teaching, they liked what they were hearing from him, but that brought in a lot of crowds. But then he also, the way he did things, did it in such a way to discern who was really interested in paying the price to follow him and who was just there for the entertainment. Okay, so uh, that is a couple of things that I just wanted to think about when we think about the context of what was happening, 
um, as the people were gathering around uh, Jesus during this, this sermon series, if you will. Um, the next thing that I want us to, to think about is the connection Jesus has to Moses. Now, without having studied this, I would not have even recognized that there was this connection happening. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the story of Israel. So everything that they had hoped and dreamed for finally came when Jesus came to the earth. Um, the, throughout the Old Testament, God was pointing to Jesus, like from the beginning. So if you look at Genesis 3.15, that's the first messianic prophecy of Jesus right there. When God says that he will put enmity between her seed and yours and that you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. That is talking about Jesus coming and his death on the cross would be the heel strike, but his resurrection was the death blow. Okay? So there has been that pointing to Jesus the entire time. So here are some of the very interesting connections between Jesus and Moses. And really what it is, is Moses was the foreshadowing of Jesus. And Jesus is like next level. That's what happens is like you've got, okay, Moses is showing you the thing. And then Jesus comes on the scene and it's like, this is like, we're taking it up. We're taking it up. All right. So Moses even has a messianic prophecy about Jesus. Deuteronomy Chapter 18, verse 15 says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. So Jesus fulfills all of that. So the Lord raised up Jesus by a virgin. Like nobody else is going to be able to do it. So it's not like, uh, well, this guy's a good talker, so let's, I think, let's pick him. Like, no. It, God was in the midst and absolutely selected this. Like, it wasn't going to happen without God in it. Um, the next thing is, he came from the Israelites. So if you look at Jesus' lineage, he traces back all the way to David. Well, even go back to Adam, actually. I mean, all the way back there. But we know that for sure he's from the line of David. All right? So next, he was like Moses in terms of being a prophet and a lawgiver. So we don't often think about that. But Moses brought the law, and then um, Jesus came with the new covenant law. All right? So he's also worthy of being heard and obeyed. John the Baptist was asked, he, are you the prophet that we're, that we're waiting for? So the people knew that there was supposed to be a prophet, somebody who was a prophet, so they were looking for the signs, like, okay, I think this might be, oh, may, no, maybe it's this person. So they asked John when he was down by the Jordan River, are you the one that Moses talked about? And he said, I'm not it, but there is one among you. Pointed straight to Jesus. He's the one. He's the one that you need to be following and obeying. Other things that Moses and Jesus have in common, which some of this is I'm like, what the heck? This is so crazy. So both of them were selected to lead people out. Moses selected to lead 
people out of slavery in Egypt, Jesus selected to lead all of humanity out of slavery to sin. Next, um, Jesus was um, son of the Most High God. Moses was also part of royalty because he was adopted by king of Egypt. So they have that connection. They both were born during a time when there was a lot of political craziness happening where the leaders of that time were very fearful of losing their power. And so they were going after anybody that they saw as a threat. God protected Moses in that wicker basket. And then the uh, Pharaoh's daughter found him. So he was protected there. Jesus' family was sent to Egypt to flee for a time before being called out of Egypt. Um, Both of them fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before they brought the law. Uh, Both of them were shepherds. Moses shepherded the Israelites for 40 years, and Jesus is the good shepherd. All right, so we could go on and on with the parallels between Moses and Jesus. And what I also find very interesting is that Moses came with the old covenant, which is the law that came with the Ten Commandments, plus all the other things that came with that. Um, I think if you read through Leviticus, you'll see all of the Levitical law that is there. So that was God's moral code and vision for Israel. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' moral code and vision for those who want to follow him. And what he lays out is an upside-down way of living and treating others. And God used Moses, like I said, to foreshadow the new covenant coming to fruition through Jesus. Jesus even says, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I actually came to accomplish it. So he isn't negating what was in the past. So um, I just, just thinking about those connections. Um, The next thing I want us to think about is the book end, which is the end. We're going to move to chapter 7 and the last two verses of chapter 7. So this is the third thing that I want us to think about is that Jesus' style of teaching was very different than what the people were used to. So uh, Matthew 7, verse 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. So typically how a lot of the leaders would teach is they would talk about rabbi so-and-so. Um, or having said this, or this particular rabbi said that. Because they all were under someone to be trained up to do what they were doing. Jesus didn't need to be up under anybody. Now, we know that he did spend time in the temple and the synagogue when he was 12 years old. If we remember when his family had gone for the Passover and then they left and they thought Jesus was with people, realized nobody had him and they go back and he's in the synagogue at age 12, okay? But he didn't have to refer to another rabbi for his teachings because he was there from the beginning. 
he and he grew up with it. Like he was there when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. He was there when Levitical law came down. Even though he wasn't physically here, he was here. And so there wasn't necessarily anything that he had to refer back to someone about. He could just say, this is what it is. And that's it. Very different than referring back to another person for the teaching. So here's this other thing. In addition to his style of teaching, he taught a paradox. So a lot of what he referred to was, you've been taught this, but I say. Which was a very different way than what they had been taught because it wasn't just about what you did, the action piece. It was about your motives, which deals with the heart. So very, very different things. So what Jesus is teaching us through the Sermon on the Mount is the love God had for all creation and his desire for a personal relationship with everyone. Jesus' moral code and ethics point toward the interconnectedness of our relationship with God, others, and ourselves that you're going to see in this puzzle piece. So you see God at the top. So our relationship with God our relationship with those around us, and the relationship that others have with God. It's all connected together. And here's the other piece that we have to remember, is that he makes it clear that the law was about behavior modification um, and not doing what was like on the list of the Ten Commandments. Okay? So this next slide, this. I didn't have the sound effect, but you all know. You hear it. You hear it. Yep, yep, exactly. Okay? That is, this is what, uh, this is what the old covenant was. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is what you eat. This is what you don't eat. These are the people you can be with. These are not the people you can be with. Okay? But under grace, Jesus is talking about this is the new kingdom. This is the new way that we're doing things. Because it's about heart. It's about what is happening there. It was about the fact that under the law, there had to be a daily sacrifice. Every single day. Like, I don't think, if you've never read through the Old Testament where they're talking about that, we hear about, oh, sacrifice. We don't get, we don't get that. Okay, we, because we don't live in an agricultural society, at least definitely not here in this part of Grand Rapids. We do not. So think about for a minute. Here's the altar. This place would have been filled with the various animals that needed to be sacrificed to cover the sins of the people to cover the sins of the priests that were serving that day because they had to purify themselves before they could begin serving, and that was every time. And then you had all of the various, whether it was for Thanksgiving, if there was a purification, if there what all the things. There were so many. 
But there would be priests that that was their sole job was sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And we don't fully understand the magnitude of that every single day. And then Jesus comes, one sacrifice for all. One. Because otherwise, you and I would have had to come this morning with either our bulls, our goats, our pigeons, whatever it was, so that we could even be here. But Jesus took care of it. And the thing that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount is the fact that he knows that if I can get your heart, the actions will change. But so often we're about behavior modification. I just need to do better about this. I just try a little bit harder about that. I just, you know, I, all the things that we're trying to do. When he's like, just let me, let me do the work. I'll tell you what, what your step needs to be. But let me do what I do. I do the cleanup. I do the cleanup. You, you don't even know what you're doing. I mean, think about it. The la- think about the last time you made a decision, didn't check on God about it, but you thought, oh, this is going to work out. And then, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, God, <laughs> uh, if you could <laughs> offer some assistance, I mean, the, the number of times that I eye roll myself, I just, I don't know if anybody else eye rolls themselves with what they're doing. But the number of times that I have eye rolled myself about decisions that I made, and I'm thinking, I don't know how God isn't eye rolling me because I'm definitely doing it. If he's doing it, I don't blame him because <laughs> I'm already like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, that was a bad move. I get, yeah, that was bad. Mm-hmm. So as we think about grace this morning, I want us to think about what's going to happen in the next six weeks. Because I counted up to see how many messages there were after me. So I want us to think about how we're going to engage with this sermon series. All right? So this is not a... Well, here's what I don't want. I don't want people to leave church each week and think, oh, that was some interesting stuff I learned. Or, wow, I've never heard that perspective. And then go about their way and there's no change. That's not what I'm interested in. And I hope you are not either. But that's my prayer for all of us is that when we come here on Sunday, it's so that we are encouraged, we hear the word, and we are open to the Holy Spirit saying, this is where I need some change from you. 
or some growth from you, or I need you to add this, or I need you to take this away. And we're like, yes, Lord. Now, I get, we might be like, dude, can I slowly, I don't really, ah, trying to get it, I don't know what I'm really wanting to do. You know, he's patient, but uh, he, you know, the intensity of the attention getting does ramp up, just letting you know. Just letting you know. So you can take as long as you want to, but if you have kids, you know when they're taking too long to try to do something, and you're like, let me tell you one more again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, you already know. All right, so here's what I want us to do to engage uh, over in the, during the course of the series. So the first thing is I want you to be a student. So you see this group of kids, they usually are, you know, they're all about story time and listening and interacting and all of that. So I want us to be students. So each person who's going to speak a portion of the Red Letter series and bring the word to us, I want us to be ready to listen and sit and interact, whatever that may look like, okay? Um, We're just going to sit at the feet of Jesus, Like, if you remember the story of Mary and Martha, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Martha was all, oh, my word, we got to get stuff ready. How come she's not helping? Jesus, tell her. And he's like, "Mm, no. So (laughs) I want us to be the Mary, okay? I want us to be, I'm at the feet of Jesus because this is the better thing. The second thing that I want us to do is to listen with intentionality to the word and ask the Holy Spirit to open your ears to what he wants to share with you. Because we are all going to hear the word, but he may have a different word specific to you and what your situation is. Okay. So I want us to come with our ears open uh, as I like to tell preschoolers. Okay. Let's turn our listening ears on. Okay. We're going to turn our listening ears on when you come in. And actually, uh, during the week, you can already be prepping. Okay, you don't have to wait till Sunday like, oh, I'm at the church parking lot. All right, let me get the ears on. Whoop. You, you know, I, I recommend starting earlier. I recommend starting maybe later today, tomorrow. Get started. Okay? So as I mentioned, that stress test earlier, this is how you're going to know, like, is there a blockage that I'm unaware of? or that you've been trying to get my attention about, that I've been ignoring, okay? Um, do I, are you telling me I need to pick up the pace? All right? Uh, the third thing is to take action on what the Holy Spirit may be prompting you to do. Uh, which, you know, Scripture says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. All right? So it's very easy for us to come in and, oh, that was great, and then we get into whatever else is happening. And we forget about the Sunday sermon um, unless we're being very intentional about it, to meditate. Scripture says we should be meditating. David talked about meditating on God's word. Okay? So you can't meditate on something you're not reading or connecting to. 
Uh, and there's plenty of stuff that we all meditate on. Worry, stuff that's out of our control, various situations that are going on in our lives or our families, okay? But there's a better way for us to meditate than on things that we know the Father's the only one who can handle. All right? So, at the end of this, this is what I want us to be thinking about. We're going to have a choice to make. Uh, During the series, near the end of the series, we're going to have to make a decision about what we're going to do when it comes to Jesus. We're going to have to make a decision about what we're going to do with our test results. Because that's what this is as our stress test gets started. Maybe for some of you it started today. But then over the course of the next six weeks, there'll be other ways that Jesus is going to communicate to us, things he's going to point out. So just like when we receive a medical diagnosis, we can decide what we're going to do next with that. Are we going to get treatment? What kind of treatment? Are we going to get, you know, treatment plan? Uh, Are we going to, like, sit on it and be like, well, maybe it's not that serious. Are we going to be like some dashboards I've seen where you put duct tape over the light so you don't see it? So if I don't know that it's like, it's not that, it's not that serious. So as long as I don't see the light, it's good. Okay. So when there are challenges with the physical heart, it impacts the rest of our body. And the same is true with our spiritual heart. If we have trouble there, then we have trouble in other areas, including impact that those that can impact our church family. And I think that's something that we don't often think about is that we are all connected because of Christ. And so as a church family, what is impacting one ultimately impacts the entire body. Even if it's not immediately obvious or we may not feel it. But there's still an impact. And so we want to be as healthy as we can be spiritually. And so this is how we're going to see um, where is our health individually. We're not going to worry about our neighbor and what theirs is. We're just going to worry about our own. And where are we at? And see what type of spiritual medical procedure the Holy Spirit is going to call each of us to so that we can run the race well and win the prize and make an impact in this world until we either leave or Jesus returns. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you speak to us through it so that we can understand the character of who you are, that we can understand your voice, we can hear it and know when something is of you and when something is not. Father, I ask that as we leave this place today, 
that your Holy Spirit would stir our hearts and that it would continue to be stirred until we answer that you would not let us let go of it and forget because you desire an intimate relationship with us. You know everything about us. There isn't anything hidden from you. You know exactly where all the clogged arteries are. You know where something's starting to get off a little bit. And you desire to give us healing. So that the things that you have ordained for us to do here on this earth to bring forth your kingdom we can do those so father help us to remember as we leave today that you are good even when we're having surgery you are good even when it's painful and we have to let go of some things, that you're good. Help us to remember that we trust in your love for us. Even if we don't fully believe it, Father, help us to get to a point where we do believe it. Help us in our unbelief. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience. We thank you that you've not given up on us. That you continue to draw us to you. We thank you for that, Father. And we rest in you, knowing that you've got us. We just have to lean on you. In Jesus' name, amen.